what's up everyone welcome to the tier one podcast uh, today on the show i'm joined by my friend joe who is only someone i've kind of reconnected with in the last uh eight nine months and uh kind of knew each other really well as kids um well i don't know about really well but it'd be just some someone that was um kind of like a cousin you wouldn't see a lot and then um, yeah, we reconnected, um, and, well, we've kind of hung out a couple of times since, and just thought it'd be interested in to have him on the podcast and find out a bit more about him. And man, he's a proper interesting dude, like, uh, super creative, uh, well, way more creative than, um, you know, I would ever kind of just, you know, assume from anyone, I guess. Uh, he's done his degree in fine art and photography, which I think is pretty awesome, really. Um, which kind of led us on to uh, the topic that we kind of just both fell uh, into kind of realising that we were both interested in, which is storytelling, which is um, something I've been thinking about a lot more recently. And, you know, Joe's uh, got um, his own way of kind of telling a story through uh, film more more now and you know I think it's a really interesting way to, to go about telling a story especially I think um, through film and photography it's um, something I've kind of noticed more and more my way of telling a story of course is kind of through this podcast and telling the people's stories of the guests I have on and occasionally you'll get a little snippet of a story that I want to tell but yeah here's the show I hope you enjoy it. I definitely uh, found it really interesting to hear um, someone who's, um, I guess, uh, you know, different kind of person than we've had on the show before. Really, really quite creative in in a different sense. Um, I think a lot of the times I'll focus on, you know, uh, quite I don't know people that would be considered like quite hardcore, you know, martial artists and and that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, here he is. Okay, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank don't you. Know, don't know how you feel about being on. I guess we kind of just got it together pretty quickly, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty. I mean, I, I knew we were going to do this, but it was still unexpected because I never normally go through with whatever I say. <laughs> Exciting, nonetheless. So uh, the last podcast I did, it, I, it was like a uh, one where um, I went a bit off off normal style and I kind of just did a. Bit of, just a bit of a chat, I guess, just, you know. A bit of a ramble. Yeah, a bit of a ramble instead of doing the usual interview style. I think this will kind of mix it up a bit of both. Um, and yeah, just see how it goes. So, uh, I'll start as I normally do, and I already know, Joe, you, you grew up in Leeds, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, we grew up kind of not too far away, living to each other. We didn't really see a lot of each other growing up, to, to no. be honest. It was more when we were quite young. Yeah, we were like baby friends. Mm. So, I've known you before... I knew what knowing was. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. It was really weird because, like, I can remember you from childhood, but it was, like, it's very, like, like certain occasions. Yeah. And then it was my mum more telling me, it's like, oh, this is your friend from Thingy, do you remember? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was Carl. No, yeah, it's um, similar for me, I guess, as well. Uh, so... You kind of growing up in Leeds, and what was like just home life like for you growing up? What did you kind of? Because you don't have siblings, do you? Yeah, I got a younger brother. Oh, you have a younger brother. Yeah, Jake. 
I've met Jacob on mm, I think so. How much younger is he then? It's like two years younger. Yeah, I've definitely met him. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rings up, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't have seen him much though. Yeah. I mainly saw you when it was like, it was either hanging out with like Raul or yeah, yeah. Tom or just someone from like that time. I don't know. Yeah, but growing up was fine. Yeah, it was nice. Um, it was a little bit stressful and it's, but just because of normal things like parents breaking up and shit like that. But mm, other than that, right. I don't know. I've been quite fortunate. I do kind of, at the moment, I kind of fixate on uh, my parents and like how they kind of were when I was younger because I feel like it's definitely affected how I am now. And I don't know, I guess I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, but my dad always tells me to, your brain likes to figure stuff out, so. Yeah, definitely, and I think. Don't I was, get too lost in it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to just kind of hash stuff out within your own head as well. I was having a good uh, conversation on the podcast with um, this guy called Vince, who's a PT here, and we're talking about his life growing up. And then I think, you know, those kind of really early formative years do affect you way more than you would ever yeah. kind of think imaginable down the line. Um, and whether it's good or bad, you can't let... What, either if you had you know, a great upbringing where everything's kind of given to you or where it's um, you've had a lot of things held back or not being yeah. as ideal, both of those are crutches in a way. Yeah. You know, both those things will hold you back. It's just kind of um, taking ownership and figuring your own way through it and and um yeah i'm kind of with you on that one i think it might just be a a thing of every young man's journey of just finding out who they are and i feel like the bad experiences definitely sculpt us more because mm. it's that because when you're happy you're kind of happy and you're like you like keeping it consistent but then when something bad happens that's when we have to learn to deal with change so it's quite it's quite challenging because especially like i feel like we're getting more used to it at this age, but I feel like for the past three years at uni and stuff, I just feel, I feel like there's been a slow progression in how I've how I've come to like see bad things happening in my life. Because when you're a kid, it's kind of like, oh, this is bad, so it's bad. There's no real like upside to it. Mm. But I don't know. When you get older, you start to see their lessons, and you start to see it's actually more of it's more of life trying to like direct you around something I don't know yeah it's um there's benefit that I'm finding it hard to get the words together to say what I'm trying to say but there's a there's a guy who I really like um he puts it quite neatly uh called Jocko Willink he's this former Navy SEAL I'm talking about him quite a lot on the podcast but uh he's got this kind of thing where uh it's a really good video on it, but to break it down, it's, it's just called Good. And uh, when he was a Navy SEAL commander, like a guy would come up to him and he'd be like, oh, boss, I've got these troubles, but I don't even want to tell you about them because I know what you're going to say. And he's like, well, what am I going to say? He's like, you're just going to say good. And he's like, <laughs> like you know, if um, you know if things go wrong, it's they're just obstacles for you to overcome. Mm. And it's a bit like that stoic philosophy. I don't know if you've ever um, heard it before. It's quite well known now uh, it's um the impediment to action advances action what stands in the way becomes the way this no, is a I've quote from this guy called marcus aurelius who's like one of the uh, roman emperor emperor yeah, back heard, in the day i heard the name yeah and um 
it's kind of brought a lot of the light to me when I read this book called The Obstacle is the Way. It's like one of my favorite books. I've got it in, like, in book and audio book and it's all fucking marked up and shit. But um, <laughs> I'm a big believer in that philosophy of that. You kind of, that whatever comes your way, even even like I said earlier, even if it's a, if things have been handed to you and you've had, you know, a golden ro- road, that's as much as a crutch as someone that's, um, you know, had, you know, yeah. been through the fucking woods and shit like that. Cause yeah, because when you're kind of handed stuff, you don't really, you don't really have to gain it for yourself. And then, exactly. especially as a kid. And then when you get into this age, um, it like you have to start acquiring it for yourself and then you just get panicked. Either but, you like get help from your parents still. Yeah. Or, oh, definitely. And um, I think one of the big problems, I think uh, probably facing young guys today as well and, and probably young, young girls, I guess I imagine as well, is that... Um, life is just incredibly easy all right now if you live in the western world like yeah. there there is no adversity for you to overcome there's no um you know you've got pretty much all your basic needs needs met all you've got to do is find something to do and, and find what you're meant to be doing and find out who you are and sometimes we'll all look at others to tell us who we are like oh so, you know we'll be like oh, please tell me who i am and what you think yeah. of me but really, all that matters is what you think of yourself. I think. Yeah. Um, and if, and usually, I think the most uh, people I get along with are the people that I think are, I don't know, the coolest or the most confident. Uh, yeah. You can tell that. Self-assured. Yeah, exactly. They're the most self-confident people. Like they don't outwardly portray. You know, they're not going out like, yeah. oh, mate, look at me, look at this, look at that. Yeah. They're not the guys with, you know, br- yeah, um, just quietly confident. Mm. Uh, those are the people I think. Well, I guess I respect the most. Yeah. Um. But back onto yourself, like you did a really quite interesting uni course, didn't you? And yeah. Maybe just tell me a bit about how you came to well pick it and and why it is, of course. And, and well, I did fine art photography at Camberwell, which always makes me feel so pretentious, and I always have to say that afterwards, just so people don't think I am pretentious. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, but yeah yeah it was good it was good the tutoring was insane like some of the smartest art heads in the world well maybe not in the world but certainly who I've come across Duncan the main teacher he's just on the first day I remember we had um, we all had to do like this crit we had to bring in a piece of work and then we all had to talk about it between ourselves second years and third years so this was terrifying right i was going in with some artwork that i'd made like out of projections and mirrors and then chopped up together and put on like just really really like nine second video that kind of like crappy but yeah um so i went in and it was just everyone there and we were just talking about the work and it came to the point where duncan would have to talk and he would just be stood there, just staring, quiet, just not saying anything for like five seconds. And then all of a sudden he would just start spurting, like he'd say like 10 artists. And then you'd be like, yo, shit. And about 16 times throughout that crit, like they had to stop him, find a notebook and then write it down. Like even second years and shit like that. And it's just like. So what was he doing? He was like doing like, you had this kind of video and you tell you yeah, what kind so of... Yeah, uh, so in art school, you do these thing called crits. Um, 
C-R-I-T-S. And it's where you kind of critically analyze each other's work. Okay. So you better yourself. Yeah. Um, and what, what was he doing by giving you the artist? Was he like, oh, look at this it's person's It's just like work. a reference to look at to inspire okay. the work to kind of push it further. Right, okay. Mm. So you just had to like, this guy, Duncan, had this deep repository of knowledge of yeah, artists. artist and, info. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And uh, what kind of inspired you to take that course? Well, my mum knows someone who used to work there. Um, so it kind of, like, I had it in mind. And it was between there and Manchester when I was at sixth form applying for UCAS. But then I didn't really get any responses from either of them. And fortunately, I managed to do a foundation course at Leeds College of Art. So, which was good. The foundation is really good if there's anyone listening who wants to get into art do a foundation, and if you're in Leeds, go to Leeds, because it's sick. It's one of the best years of my life, like, easily. But, um, yeah, I chose Camberwell because I just kind of wanted to live in London. I, I had an interview at Camberwell, Glasgow, I think Bristol, but I didn't bother going to Bristol. And I liked Glasgow. It was It was nice, but the city just kind of, it was too cold. I can't really deal with Leeds. I was like, I was, why would I go further north? Like, more rain, more cold. No. So, so yeah. it sounds like the, the actual choice of university was more uh, of a tough choice than the actual course. Were you always quite... Did you kind of know what you wanted to do? And Yeah, I think from year... yeah In year eight, I was in IT. And it was like... Oh, it was either IT or PSHE, but we were just in the IT suite. And we were trying to figure out what jobs we wanted to do when we were older. Mm. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm never going to want to... I'm never going to know what I want to do. Why would I know now? I'm in like year eight. I was just scrolling through this list of jobs. And I saw photographer. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and then from like year eight onwards, like... It wasn't like from that point, I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. But I think that's what kind of inserted it in my head. That's kind of like what pushed me in the direction. And then when I got to A-levels, I wanted to use photography as my final piece when I was doing art. So art A-level. Okay. Um, but the tutor said I couldn't enter a photograph as a final piece of work, just a photograph. Mm. It had to be like a photo collage or a video or something, which I think was rather unfair like <laughs> like I don't know but there's always this bias in the art world about photo like photography is it an art form is it, is it not um so yeah uh because of that I kind of had to use photography as much as possible but without actually just doing photography so I was kind of thinking more on how to use video as photograph like how to like, just, like, making cinematic-ish videos. I mean, it was A-level, so it was pretty bad. And how you, were you just teaching yourself, or what was, how how were you learning? Like, because I've looked a little bit into, like, you're getting a DS, um, Alara, is it, or something, whatever. I was one of the high-end cameras. Like, all the settings and stuff, I'm like, whoa, that goes way over my head. And, like... <laughs> See, <laughs> it really interested me. When I first got my DSLR, I just spent... I spent so much time just like going through the settings, trying to figure out what everything did. Mm. I think that's what I miss most right now is that kind of excitement to do something. Um, because everything I kind of want to do is 
it's quite like it's like writing and stuff like that so it's a little bit like oh god but you know um but anyway yeah uh i got into i got into doing films because of the what what was the question so it was kind of well we were talking about how it, um the photography course was kind of a no-brainer for you and you oh yeah yeah you got well, you kind of did the uh, year eight ICT lesson, decided yeah. to do green photography, got to A level, and you kind of left us there. <laughs> pull, pull the mic a little bit closer to you. See yeah, if sorry, I ramble a little bit. It's okay. So um, um, you got to your you know, A level course, did your final uh, project, and what did you end up handing in? Because you couldn't do that picture. Um, so, well, interestingly, like, well, interesting for me, um, on A level, I, because I, I couldn't do ph- photography, I had to find another way around it. So I started to do um, like digital collaging. I looked at this guy, I forget his name now, it's like a fashion fashion guy. Oh, what was he called? I can't remember. It wasn't, he wasn't big or anything, it was just some guy, but he did this, he did these videos where he cut out sections of like a model's face or whatever, and like bodies and then kind of interlace them with other photos. It's like a really nice, I don't know, I liked, I liked how it looked and I was quite vain at that point. So I decided to take loads of self-portraits and cut them out and I don't know. And basically because I was using Photoshop so much and people on my course never really use Photoshop unless it was to like touch up a photograph. Um, this is the A-level course still, yeah? Yeah, the A-level course. Uh, when it came to handing in my work, I was terrified because I thought, I was going to get like a D or something horrible. Like, mm. I just didn't think I had enough work. And then I remember going to get the results and I looked at my book and uh, it said like 18, 18, 18, 18. And I was like, 18? It must be like 18 out of 40 um, for like each module. Mm. Uh, so I go up to the tutor and I ask her, and I'm like, oh yeah, what's 18 out of? And she's like, 20. Oh, well. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I've, I've done very little work. And she's like, yeah, well, what you've got isn't really what I'm used to marking. So I don't really know if it's good or not. I just know I really like it. And mm. It must be just a tough one to, as well, just to mark someone's like artwork. Because I guess it's uh, very yeah. personal and it's a It's story. more about the development. So I guess I must have done right. Well, as someone who kind of looks into like, like editing on a very small scale, just from editing a podcast and that kind of thing, and you, and you, if you, someone just goes home and have a look now at what Photoshop looks like, just mm. to kind of as a, as a layperson just looking at it running without yeah. having to look into it, it looks really complex. So, yeah. so I'm I'm sure once you kind of get the concepts down and and a few of the yeah. tools, it yeah. if you know you can do more than you'd expect, but. Um, there's also so many layers to it where there's I'm sure things now that you still like learn to do and stuff like that yeah definitely Um, surprises you or like you'll watch a friend using photoshop and you do a similar thing but they have their own completely different way of doing it right what's going on there um so you decided to uh take it to to well, to university. Yeah, to university. And tell um, me about that. Just break it down a little bit for me. And what, what, like, firstly, actually, what, for the A levels, like, what, what did other people hand in? Like, what was the rest of the course? So you doing? get a lot of painters at that age, mm. like very like kind of standard fine art, where it's like people just trying to 
it wasn't really about experimenting as much. It was more about acquiring skill. And I was never very good at drawing. Okay. I was never very good at painting. Mm. I didn't really have the patience to learn either very well. Yeah. But I did... I've always been addicted to like television and film and stuff like that. So I think maybe it felt like less effort learning all that stuff, but I definitely found it easier than... Hmm. I don't know about like uh, less effort for you, but it might have been way more effort than for someone else, you know? Oh yeah, of course. Um, but it's just where interests lie in it, exactly. I, I guess. If you're following um, your passion, it never really feels like it's yeah, like too now much work, I, does it? Yeah, now I put a lot more effort into like drawing and stuff but that's mainly doodling at work so that's not much effort. <laughs> that's just trying to keep myself just call it uh <laughs> call yeah. it extra projects yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah um that was like but the the one i got um the 18 out of that was like the first a i ever got um so like second year i came back and i was like like this is like second year of a levels i wanted to do some like i don't know pushing it out there as well like I kind of figured out like this is the way you do it yeah like, this is how you get good marks by doing stuff that people don't really know how to mark mm. um so, so I you found a way to kind of cheat the system a little bit well yeah it only worked on that one instance though, oh, right so, so, yeah it was more luck but um yeah I was yeah so second year I ended up doing a another video well I did a video I did like two videos using the same footage to different songs to try and get a different vibe just by like the way it was edited and the music rather than the actual imagery so what are you kind of like just just take it back a little bit in your actual obviously i've not been to uni so this might be a naive question but like in your actual kind of classes or lectures mm. what are the things you're kind of learning because i guess if, you, if you're doing something uh if you want to do more video editing but someone else is doing photography editing is yeah. that kind of different aspects or uh, no, well, do you don't really up? learn about, so it's not like, what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to tell you about people who are doing what you're doing. That's not from lectures. Lectures, so basically the course was, there was a fine art course and it was split into four separate, like, sub-courses. So there was uh, p- photography, painting, drawing, and sculpture. Uh, they We would all share lectures so we'd all have like the same lectures mm. and um, yeah, the same kind of essay work. But then when it came to uh, the practical side, when we started having seminars with like our like individual tutors and all that stuff, that was, the, you you were in like photography, painting, or thing. Okay, like you're the one that you kind of interested yeah, you yeah. in the course you were yeah. kind of going for. Yeah. So I went into photography because I thought, oh yeah, photography would be great. I like photography, da, 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 da. As soon as I started doing photography, I instantly got bored because I realized I'm not, well, yeah, because I'm not that strong a photographer and being at a course where a lot of people are strong photographers, I was like, right, well, you got to do something else. So I think that's what, so I started experimenting with video quite a lot because that's just what I found comfortable doing and still imagery started to bore me. I was like, oh yeah, I could spend for ages trying to take one photograph. But I mean, when I go to museums and I see photographs, I kind of just like look at it, hardly even take it in and just like walk off. But mm. when there's a video, I stood there for like at least double the time I would be stood there for like a photo or whatever. Right. I just think it takes my interest more. So I feel like I'd... And, and you say like 
you're not a very strong photographer. But I guess, you know, me again, coming from a very naive physician, like when you can take like such cool pictures on like smartphones and now mm. without really having to do anything, just like a point and click. What's the difference between someone that's just like taking a picture on a smartphone and someone who's like taking on the high end of, you know, photography, some of like the most skilled people out there? Uh, well, there really is no difference. It's all about who's taking the photograph. So that's that's not from a like a kind of, I don't know, like, it's just, I guess you can tell when someone's um, learned about photography or someone has an understanding for photography rather than someone's just got a good phone or a good camera. Mm. So to be honest, a lot of the time you find people with really good cameras, especially like when I was younger, when I was going through all this stuff, they were, they were quite, quite often they were just like rich people's kids who just wanted like them to have a hobby. They didn't really need to get a job because their parents were billionaires and stuff. So as long as they had something to keep them interested. Mm. So the way I see it is actually a lot of the time people with fancy cameras and stuff like that aren't necessarily good photographers. They've just got a good camera. Right. So people with crappier, that's uh, people with like crappier cameras, like even using their phones, that's, it's kind of restricting. How am I going to say this? So it's more about the person then. So it's about the person's eye and the person using this. It's like more of a basic camera. So it's like... So they've yeah. got to rely on themselves to yeah. get the right frame or um, yeah. capture the light in the right yeah, way. You can't or... just Yeah, you can't just rely on the camera to do all the work for you. You've got to outwardly see what you mm. want to take and then like, yeah, just do what you do. Time in position. Yeah. Like There's a lot thing. that goes into taking a photograph other than just a point and shoot and... It's kind of hard. I, I've not really spoken about it, I guess, like until now. And is it the the video side of things? Is it more of the, I guess, the ways in which it's edited that is more of interest to you than what's actually kind of being recorded? Mm-hmm. Editing's starting to bore me a little bit at the moment just because I've not really done it for a while and... When I first started editing, it was mainly experimental. So I wasn't really like putting any time or effort into thinking where the clips went. A lot of the time I just cut up the clips, mix them up, delete half of them, throw them together and put some effects on it and then call it a video. But then through second year, I got bored of that. And that's when I started to write Secret Tony, the TV show I made a pilot for, for like final year yeah so tell me a bit about that man because we've not really spoken about that yeah well it was (sighs) so secret tony has become a massive massive part of my life and i kind of abandoned it recently but for the past two years it was pretty much all i would think about it was this so it's like a science science fiction adventure kind of with satirical, like like political comedy uh, interwoven within um, the storylines or whatever. Mm. So kind of like Adventure Time mixed with Have I Got News For You or something. Just like trying okay. to... Yeah. yeah, just trying to... But yeah, it was, it was, it was a good... I... I 
I don't really know what to say about it, to be honest. I've spoken about it so much these past few years that I've kind of said everything about it before. So, mm. that, so when it comes to this point, it's really hard for me to talk about it because I don't want to repeat myself, but mm. it's pretty much said it in every which way I could. Well, it's, so, it's, it's all new to me, man. So yeah, like, what, yeah, what did true. it What did it end up becoming? It be, so I, I made a pilot for the series um, Secret Tony, which... Secret Tony's a working title. It was just the name of the protagonist, um, which my friend Dave Oldwinkle came up with. It's like a, we, we had this little poetry group in um, sick form. Uh, it was basically we had a free after lunch and then we had form. Hmm. So it's just a way to like keep us from skiving form. <laughs> right. I don't know, to sp- spice it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, so we wrote poems or we came up with like funny aliases like nicknames and just yeah just kind of took the piss and secret tony was a little it came out of that and then it got introduced into london somehow with my friendship group and then we're all just talking and stuff and we decided oh yeah let's make a tv show about secret tony (laughs) and me and dexter free uh uh, my friend from uni he came up with this idea well we both came up with this idea for like this crate state so looking outside my friend Caleb's window and there's loads of building works and there was like crates everywhere. Mm. Um, and we, that kind of became his home planet. So secret Tony from the crate state. It's like, okay. it was like, he was from this like simple, humble kind of background where they, they were, they were happy. They were just like living off, like living within their own means. Like there weren't that many people around. It's kind of like, think like, like, a, you know, that whole idea of how things used to be, like the equilibrium. That's right. basically what it is. It's the equilibrium. Um, and then he got torn away from it by these evil, I ended up calling them baddies because I couldn't think of a name. I called them Tauritonians for a bit, but that, because it was like a mix of Tauri and Etonian. But then I got a little bit sick of that, <laughs> writing it down too much. I was like, what are you trying to kid? That's not even funny. So I just called them the baddies. And, um... Yeah, they basically kick him out of his home planet uh, because of he doesn't really understand. He was a child at the time. And then as the audience, we see it. So we're introduced to him for a dream sequence of him in the crate state. And he's like walking through and it's quite... It's a dream, so it doesn't really make sense. And then um, he wakes up and he's in this hut and basically he lives on this uh, little asteroid and this asteroid belt. And it's like, it's a wooden hut made out of crates <laughs> and, you know, um, sheet metal, and whatever. And he's got got this little car that he drives around and he, pre- he pretty much spends his whole time just taking space drugs and... Space drugs. Yeah, space drugs <laughs> called syrup. And, uh... Yeah, selling them to people so he can, you know, like dealing within his means as well. Um, yeah, and for some reason he gets he gets involved with a rebellion, and they're 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 against the people who stole his home planet. But then oh, I'm going through the the like, you know, we were talking about the hero's journey. Yeah, it's pretty much it's like that throughout like the acts. 
Like if you see okay. like the hero's journey, yeah, yeah. like through all like the different acts and stuff, that's kind of how the first episode pans out. Mm. So he doesn't want to join at first, and then something happens yeah. that and, makes him. And did you had you already heard like about the hero's journey at the time, or did it kind of just end up following? Well, like most stories end up doing along those no, kind of archetypes. No, it's probably just like I've watched a lot of TV, so mm. I guess I kind of just knew it anyway. But like, just because it, I, I guess I thought it was an original idea, but I've just seen it so many times. So I was like, yeah. yeah. So like, like did, so you did the pilot, but how, how long was it? Like, how did you make it? Like, what, what was like the process? Like 15 minutes long. I didn't end up getting to film everything I wanted to film. I didn't end up including any satire whatsoever or comedy or I mean, I guess there was humour, but only because it was so badly done. Uh, the audio I did on the day of handing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> it was pretty bad. But it kind of works because because there's no backing tracks. You kind of feel like you're in deadless space. Okay. Like, there's so no that, bird noises. Yeah. There's no background noise. There's nothing. It's just silent. And then when he talks, he talks. And was that like... Uh an intentional idea from yourself? Or no, was that, was, just, that was pure, just down to laziness. Okay, yeah. I, I intended to add music, but I couldn't make it fit in the limited time I had. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, now do you kind of, well, how did you, it was for your dissertation, was it? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it, well, we did dissertation. So dissertation was 40% of the mark. And then because it's an art course, the practical stuff was like 60%. Okay, right, right, right. So that was the practical? Yeah, it was practical, yeah. And how did you do? I got a 2-1 overall, so. Okay. I, I always knew I was going to get two. I've always got Bs and Cs. <laughs> right, for our GCSE, I got five Bs, five Cs. A-level, I got two... <laughs> First year of A-level, got two Bs, two Cs. Second year of A-level, got two Bs and a C. So I was like, all right, things are getting better. <laughs> I'm more of a B student than a C student. That's that's good. Um, yeah, yes. I, I always knew it was going to be a 2-1 because I put... It was only me making it. So there was, there was bits of other people involved. Like my friend Kyle, he made a song for it. Um, oh, bless that boy. Um, yeah, he made a song for it, which he makes a lot of, like really crappy well not crappy but like you know like lo-fi garage band stuff but right. i really like it yeah like it, it it got to a point where i couldn't actually listen to like normal music i could only really listen to like my friends <laughs> homemade yeah. stuff just because it actually kind of had some personal quality to it um but yeah so it was i had to film everything on my own i had to direct everything on my own I had to act everything so it was basically the whole process was me in a room with a green screen and a camera me filming stuff without any audio just like running around like thinking all right what would he do now what would he do now I've no acting experience whatsoever Mm. and I'd just go home like edit a little bit see what I had and then go back to the next like whenever I could book out the green screen next and just fill in the dots but it was, it was, I wanted to do it all on my own. I said at the start, I wanted to do it all, my, all on my own. But then I quickly started asking people for help. But because everyone was like, it was third year, so no one had time for anyone else. 
Mm. I wasn't helping anyone with their work, so I'm not mad at anyone. But I just, it, yeah, I always kind of make videos on my own or with Kyle. I think they're the only the only person I've actually made a video with in the past. And how um, many years? And um, kind of now, where did you want? Where do you want to take kind of your course? Now you've kind of finished it. Do you want to do more? filming and videos yeah, this is where i'm struggling because i i do like filming and i started to make i started to make a video earlier this week um because i've they've cut my hours at work so i've i've got time to do it now uh it's it's a it's like a short film about a guy who uh has very he just wakes up it's like two in the afternoon he's got nothing to do messaging all his mates but no one's around um he's he's just bored doesn't do shit just like has a bath like you know just like does all the basic stuff and mm. he just sat there and he's like right what am i gonna do so he starts looking up videos on uh, like how-to videos on youtube because he wants to make some uh and he comes across this uh how to make uh di uh, diy portal to another dimension with homemade ingredients so something and he's like oh that sounds sick i'll do that yeah so he sets about um making this like weird concoction it's like a potion that he makes and then sets fire to uh he's like using like this this bit of his wardrobe as like a little door because it's like got the framing and yeah it's it's not like I guess I'm just going to ruin the ending, but basically like he's gone through, he goes through like the whole process of making it like, like tireless hours after hours, like, like, you know, and then he's finally made it. He stood there with it. He's just about to go and explore some different dimensions, see some new shit. He gets a message, his phone like buzzes. He gets a message off his friend and it's just saying, yo, you chilling? And then he's, he looks at his phone, looks at the portal, looks back at his phone and just decides, fuck it, I'm going to go see what my friend's saying. <laughs> and I guess it was kind of a comment on what I tend to do. Like mm. I've got all these ideas of all these things that I want to do with my time. And then when it comes to a day when I've got so much free time, like I've got so much free time. I just watch TV shows. Yeah. I'm just wasting my life away. And yeah. I guess it's just, it was a, it was me just being like sort yourself out stop doing what, yeah based on a true story but i didn't actually make a poll <laughs> well i think like whatever you're doing i think i remember oh, was ages ago i was watching a video with a guy that made uh monsters inc um yeah. and he was saying you know when they had it written down on paper and they, you know, telling like the kind of story in the um, on the drawing board and that kind of thing, and people loving it. And when it came to kind of animating it and, and getting it down, they're like, it's missing something. Like it's kind of mm. a bit boring. And it was only when he realised that the story he was telling was a reflection of his own life, and that <laughs> Scully was really just going through the kind of same struggles he was as kind of becoming a parent because <laughs> really. he just become a dad and the kind of oh, wow. um whatever the blue guy's called scully isn't it or something sully sully that's it yeah. yeah i think scully's from brooklyn 99 <laughs> i've never seen the show so never? Know, oh, well, maybe it is scully um 
the blue guy, uh, you know, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. gets the kid and wants to look up, you know, wants to kind of look up. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was kind of his, it was only when he linked, he realized like he was just telling his own story that it kind of linked up and he could make it, well, as as, as successful as yeah, yeah. it's been now, one of the yeah. probably most successful Pixar films. One of my films, for yeah. sure. Every kind of story, I think. I mean, storytelling, <laughs> I mean, obviously, we, I think, what we kind of realized the other day when we was we inadvertently mm. um struck upon that we kind of both had been looking into the hero's journey mm. was that we're kind of both really into storytelling yeah. and um my way of doing that is kind of through this podcast yeah, yeah. um yeah, very uh, much of the podcast is i want to tell other people's stories and yeah. like we've kind of just been doing these last few minutes um but as well it's kind of inadvertently I've got a you know it's a two-way conversation right it's I've got to tell my own story and give my own experiences and um for me I think storytelling is really important I I really like going back to you know for probably thousands of years the main or if only form of entertainment would have just been sitting around a campfire just like swapping stories and bullshitting I think that's really kind of it definitely definitely sparks some kind of primal interest where I really just like a perfect day probably for me is just kind of sitting around a campfire with a lot of my mates mm. a few beers and just bullshitting like telling yeah. ridiculous stories you know yeah. um, it's ideal, it. and obviously what, what you're kind of interested in as well is telling stories through a, a, a different media and, mm. and format which I think is really interesting as well mm. um I but think, yeah, do you think about storytelling a lot? Or? Yeah, I. the one thing I think about storytelling is how bad at it I am mm. and how I really need to learn how to make a story interesting. So a lot of the time I kind of focus on minor aspects. You know when you do that thing when you're telling a story and you remember something that seems significant in your mind, but then as soon as you say it, you realize it's just taken it completely off tangent and has not contributed to it. Yeah. the story at all it's just made it everything like 10 times more confusing yeah definitely there's such an art to storytelling that's mm. far beyond my intellectual grasp mm. like uh, that's why I think it's so I've said it a few times on the podcast the not to use the word art for something that's probably not arty at all but the art of a podcast for me is when a guest mm. is telling a story and I'll be uh, I don't listen to podcast I don't sit down to listen to podcasts or anything I'm mm. usually cooking or driving or you know it's something I do in the background mm. listen to a podcast and for me the moment when a guest is telling a story or, or the host is telling a story I actually have to stop what I'm doing and sit down and just give my undivided attention to yeah. the things that this person is saying is it's completely like flabbergasting to me when mm. someone's telling a story that's that compelling that yeah, yeah. I have to stop I have to pull the car over <laughs> I have to yeah. you know <laughs> stop cooking I'm like all right Oh man, I've got you just hanging on someone's every yeah, word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that is really important to me because uh, for myself, I'm very kind of quite introverted, and um, especially listening back to the podcast, I find it very difficult because I have quite a monotone voice and I'm not very charismatic. So I kind I'm of I'm not to... looking forward to hearing all this. <laughs> yes. I've hated my voice. It is one of the toughest things, man. Um, Since birth, and. Uh, <laughs> that kind of you know when when I hear someone that's really charismatic I'm like wow 
yeah. that person's you know like one of my tutors them. one of my tutors on uh, at Camberwell burned like everyone was like all the girls were in love with him I was in love with him a little bit he was just so charming <laughs> and just the way on. he spoke about art it was just like he could definitely be the leader of a cult if he wanted to right. he had that charisma like yeah. on point like yeah man like I'm but just the yeah. way he spoke about things, it just made you really, like, you know when someone talks and you feel, rather than just like someone talks and you just kind of hear. Yeah. Like when it actually just like seeps in, like mm. the information, like that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be that compelling. Well, that's the essence of good storytelling, I think, isn't it? It's um, that it invokes emotion, doesn't it? So, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's themes all throughout storytelling that uh um that just keep reoccurring you know love and loss or Mm. um redemption stories or um you know war stories and whatever kind of genre or themes you want to go down i love kind of redemption stories and and war stories i think there's especially in sacrifice you know i think uh, there's films like you know, save out Private Ryan at the end when mm. when they're on the bridge and you I know. haven't seen it all the way through. Have you not? No uh, way. Well, I'm not going to ruin it. Though. I, yeah, <laughs> no, um, I've not. I've seen bits, but it's I don't know. It's always oh, on like when you see well, Lord of the Rings at the end of um, mm. Lord of the Rings when Frodo's yeah. leaving. I'm, like, oh. I'm not seeing that all the way. You've not seen Lord of the Rings. Oh no. my god, yeah. <laughs> I like what, Star what Wars, man. Me, like, <laughs> he was spending all his time watching TV and film. Yeah. More of a sci-fi kind of first night. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, you seen it's in, more Interstellar? Like, pardon? You've seen Interstellar? Oh, Interstellar is like, that makes me cry all the time. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I know you sh- most men should be ashamed to cry. Interstellar, as soon as it comes on, just the part where he's like, he's not going to see his kid ever yeah. again. And then it's like, oh yeah, it's been like two weeks, but now my kid's like 40. Fucking hell. It's when they play that Hans Zimmer song. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. yeah. That's, yeah. Um, what's the, uh, Nolan's the director of that, isn't he? Yeah, Such, Christopher. Yeah, probably one of the best directors uh, mm. in filmmaking today. Yeah, yeah I, de- I think he's definitely, he's he's got a very strong style and I've enjoyed most of his films. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of the, yeah, one of the best today. I can't think who who I'd say was better than us at the moment. I really like Harmony Corinne, but I feel like a lot of his films are quite. Have you ever seen any Harmony Corinne films? Uh, what's it? What's some of his? So Spring Breakers, Gummo. Um, he worked on Kids, but it's not. He didn't direct it. Kids no. is a good film, um, but Harmony Corinne's got this really like he's kind of the one, like who got me into. like weird kind of filmmaking. Like if I'd worked more on story at that point in my life when I'd watched Screen Breakers, which is like uh like upper six foundation, those kind of years. Um if I'd have focused more on story at that point I feel like I'd made I'd be making films quite similar to Harmony Corinne because I I really like how he it's quite nonsensical a lot of the stuff he makes and it's very jarring and it's very like there's a film he does called Trash Humpers and it's three people wearing 
grand old people masks, like really weird old people masks. Mm. And they just go around like uh, humping trash cans and weird things they find mm. and like smashing shit up. And I remember watching a thing, I don't know if it was epi- his epically related or something, but he was talking about trash humpers and he was saying how it was, it was made to be like a skate video. So escape videos, there isn't this kind of, it's not this, um, what's an, it's not like a linear narrative. Like it's, it kind of goes off. Like it's like a montage of stuff that happens. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like a lot, and he does that a lot in all of his films. A lot of his films are just like kind of, it's not, it's not continual. So the storyline, like it kind of like bits from the past will be playing when something from the future, it's quite confusing and it's Mm. very hard to like, realize what what's going on when well what is the present um, in his films there is not it's not really about a present it's kind of but yeah it's it's very yeah it's non-linear it's 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 very weird and which is very much like a skate video and being a skater since i was like well i don't know like 12 or something Hmm. it's been at least 10 years now um to see films filmed in that way it's very interesting and at first I, I didn't even make the connection. I was just like, this is just a like, like jammy ass film. Like I have no idea what's going on here. Like, yeah. But yeah, if I, it's hard to talk about a film that you've not seen, isn't it? But he's just a really interesting director and yeah, kids is a good film. You should check out kids. That's that, that talk that's about, um, well, kids in New York and kind of dealing with like, skate culture like young youth culture in the 90s in new york and like the aids epidemic and all that stuff and what do you think about like uh, documentary filmmaking yeah i've got a friend who does it and it seems very it's it seems quite tempting but like i've always like like ever since what i watched louis Farou, it's always something i kind of i thought oh maybe you could try be the next Louis Farouk, but again, I don't think I have that kind of charisma. Mm. Um, I mean, you don't have to be in front of the camera either. I think um, one of my favourite documentarians, I guess is the word, um, Mm. is a guy called Jimmy Chin, who's um, primarily does uh, climbing documentaries. He's a great climber himself, and he was, uh, he, um, uh, probably one of his, most prominent works now is the uh, Free Solo, which kind of came out recently. Okay. So of uh, this guy called Alex Honnold, who um, Free Soloed, which is climbing without ropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, uh, cliff face of El Capitan is like the biggest uh, cliff face um, in Yosemite Valley in California. It's like huge. Wow. And, um, but he's done like other ones where he's been in it, like this one called Meru. Um, but I like all those kind of stories. And mm-hmm. he, he's not really in front of the camera, but he's telling the story in a way you know through how he shot it and that kind of thing um but yeah i mean i guess it, de- it depends if you if you enjoy doing it like you could just go shoot fucking skate documentary if you wanted yeah it's been done a lot mm. this is my thing there's a lot of people in leeds because leeds has got quite a good skate culture so a lot of very good skate filmers and photographers in leeds yeah like i said i don't like doing things where other people are like that I'm in the area with are very good at doing as well. Mm. I guess it's a self-esteem kind of thing. Like I don't really want to be pitting myself against anyone. Um, 
or get or stepping on anyone's toes really uh i i i had a, an idea to do this um little kind of thing my friend larone he's quite a character he's like a skater uh, we were going to do the Larone show where it's a kind of like uh, similar to the Eric Andre show, but less absurd, more just like, oh, it's still absurd, but not like that kind of like, like Eric, not to his level. But um, yeah, Larone is just, he's quite provocative. And a lot of the people at the skate park find him quite challenging because he takes photos of himself, like pretty much naked and like puts them on Instagram and okay. He always, yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Um, we were going to do a show called The Larone Show and just have him, like, going about, like, doing dances and stuff. And, like, I don't know. He always just, he's always just, skate. if he's skating around the skate park, he's, he's like, always, like, throwing his arms out or, like, doing some weird, like, style pose. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. Flair, I guess. Mm. Just going around with a lot of flair. Not really doing that many tricks. Back on 80s and stuff. Not to diss him, like. He's fucking, I well like watching him skate. But yeah, we were, we were going to like, so that was, that was a kind of mix between like a TV show and like skateboarding because it would be at a skate park. Yeah. Um, so obviously it'd integrate quite easily. But yeah, I guess people always say to me, do something with skateboarding and, and like kind of combine that and that, but. I guess it just doesn't excite me, so I don't want to do it. I guess that's my answer. So let's say a question I like quite a lot is if um, money didn't exist, right? It's just not a thing. So you don't have look, like you don't Oof. have infinite power to do crazy stuff, but it's just like you know, not a factor. If money didn't exist, um, my uni would have gone so differently. <laughs> well, what would what would you be doing now if you if you could just kind of go and do what you want? You didn't really yeah. need to worry about. Um, Making an income or anything, you gotta go That's do something. That's the thing that stressed me out about uh, uni the most, um, and I hate saying this stuff because it's like, like some of the people who I am friends with quite like well off, well people with well off families and stuff. Mm. And I don't know if this is true, but this is kind of how I see it. A lot of the people on my course, or even in the union stuff, like the people with like really good work, I just. I, I guess I just feel that to kind of make it as a fine artist, you've got to have a lot of money behind you. And at this age, from a work, like, I wouldn't say I'm working class, but I'd say like, I'm not, I'm not exactly like well off either. Like parents are both earning like, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know, but not much. They're not, you know, doctors, yeah. lawyers, yeah. Know, kind of thing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, um, my dad's a painter and decorator. My mum's like a social worker. So it was very hard going to uni in London. So that was like strapping me for all my money anyway. I ended up going out with a girl who was very expensive for like a year. <laughs> that set me back about a grand. Um, and just, yeah, wanting to make a TV show, but not having any money to make it is... So if I had no money, that would not been an issue. Like I would have not, I would have not spent so much time like worrying. Like, like I wouldn't have had to be so conservative about the materials I used. I could have been more. I could have just experimented because everything I kind of did, it had to go 
to a standard where I could use it or I just wouldn't use it. So there was no, there was no real second attempts. Everything I had to do, I had to do first try because I didn't have the time and I didn't have the money to hmm. keep doing it. Whereas uh, I know a lot of my friends and a lot of them were working, but a lot of them weren't. And a lot of them just, I don't know how they managed to do it because they'd always tell me that they never got parent money from their parents, but that must have been like, I don't get any money from my parents except all the rent I get paid, all the right. like equipment for uni and yeah. stuff they pay for me and all that stuff. Like, I did, I just, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, I just feel like that it's quite unfair. Um, in the arts world because I feel like a lot of the people who did get firsts um whether whether their parents helped them or not Mm. their parents were quite well off yeah I mean I went to fine art photography in London anyway so there weren't exactly that many people whose parents weren't well off studying Mm. but But back to kind of I get there's yeah, a sorry, kind of a, a resource <laughs> uh, element to it, but um, just just say you had whatever resources you needed to do to do what you want to do. Mm. If just ideal world, spend your days as you want. You just got to do whatever makes you feel good. Yeah. What you, what do you kind of see yourself doing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really like doing what, like if. I I don't know. <laughs> it's a really hard question for me. Like when we was like 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 me with food earlier. Like it takes me so long. Like I'm so fickle, and like I find it hard to decide on one thing. If you ask me my favorite artist or my favorite band or my favorite kind of music, I wouldn't be able to give you an answer for any of them. Mm. I wouldn't be able. The things that I do the most. So on the days that I have off, when I don't really have any worries about. Okay. I would skate probably just because that's what I do in those circumstances when I'm not working and I have a day off and it's sunny and money isn't an issue because money isn't an issue when you skateboarding. Um, I would just skate Hyde Park, but that's just kind of a boring answer because. Okay, let me let me change yeah. let me change the question a little bit to when I, I I do usually at the end of the show. Um, Maybe put less pressure on it because that might help. My yeah. Mind. <laughs> um, just. Uh, a perfect day you've got all day free um you can i'll give you <laughs> leeway to be wherever you want within the planet earth and i don't want you to, i don't want you to be skating on mars uh, <laughs> um down Olympus i'd really Mons like to go to uh, vietnam at some point i'd like to go i'd like to trip all around like vietnam hong kong uh japan korea i'd like to do that I guess that's a kind of, I guess that's a bit of a circle um, fitted in that order. But yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to see that side of the world. I just think I really enjoy everything it's brought out to the West. Everything that I've seen. Well, not everything, obviously, but a lot. Like, my fa- One of my favorite directors is Akira Kurosawa, who did The Seventh Samurai and Ran. Okay. Is it Ran? Ran. Ran. 
Ran, that's a film that you should check out if you've got two and a half hours to spare and don't mind reading Japanese subtitles. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Raul, um, Raul got me into uh, watching Naruto back in the day. Oh, and my it, housemates just started watching that. Oh, now. fucking hell. It's such a time sink because you think, all oh, right, I'll just watch a few episodes because they're only 20 minutes each or something. Yeah. And then, you know, you're 800 episodes <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Your, your life's gone. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Um, but yeah, Akira Kurosawa, um, he's just a great director. It's just, yeah, I, I, I can't talk about him too much because I've not seen that many of his films, but everything I've seen of him and all like the film review kind of critic stuff on YouTube, they've given me great insights into how he's like used movement in his shots to, to, I don't know, just, just all these different things. Mm. Why don't you just go, well... It's super easy to go travel that kind of the part of the world yeah, as well. Yeah, like, I just need to save up the money. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you probably you could even talk to you know Vashko about it and that kind of thing. He's, he spends like a lot of time in that part of the world, and you just need you know, a couple of grand, like yeah, you know, not not anything yeah. that takes more than like a year to save up, you know. Yeah. Um, and you can spend your whole year out there on that, you know, especially if you're not doing anything like. Um, you know, too extravagant, you know. Yeah, um, of course. If you're just kind of living humbly, then mm. that's easy. And you could go just, even if it's not like the perfect um, piece of the resistance or whatever you want to do, just mm. as long as you're doing something, shoot, yeah, go yeah, out yeah. to Vietnam and shoot some random skate scene in some yeah, yeah. small town <laughs> and tell the world about that. Mm. Were you not like, I think you would enjoy doing something like that? Yeah, I think I would. Traveling kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't really, I don't really, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's the same for everyone, but I don't really like places that I'm not familiar with. Mm. So I don't, it takes like, for when I moved to London, it took me three years living in Peckham to kind of finally feel comfortable living in Peckham. So it takes me quite a while to actually feel that I can walk down certain roads or like work, walk certain ways. Like if I get a feeling like I'm a stress head, basically, I just get really freaked out by things and I should probably just like, I don't know, brave. I'd be a bit braver and like to try things. Yeah. That... I mean, <sighs> but it would excite me. It would excite yeah. me. Yeah. And it, it is stuff I, I think about. I, 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 I was going to make, I actually started making a plan um, to move out to Hong Kong for about like, half a year because my, one of my best friends, Marion, uh, I lived with her in first year. We went to foundation together. Um, but halfway through first year, she got deported because of financial stuff. Uh, so she had to go back to Hong Kong for like, well, for the entirety I was at uni for like pretty much two years. She saved up money and now she's back in the UK studying again. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, she's studying again. And then like a few weeks ago, I got a message from her saying, oh yeah, I'm getting departed again, la 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 or whatever. So I was like, all right, well, if she's gone again, you've, ha you've not even seen her since she's like moved back. So you're going to have to go stay over in Hong Kong for like a few months or something because you want to do that anyway. Like that's yeah. the kind of thing you should do. And it's a lot more exciting than being in a casino for the rest of the year. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, man, like something that I 
talk and think about a lot is you've got to get out of your comfort zone like and it's easier said than done right but mm. in a way that's what this is for me like you know talking about kind of feelings and that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, is way yeah. out of my comfort zone doing this and having to play it out there yeah but it's the only way you kind of grow as a person and yeah. like we were talking about a bit at the start where you know when things didn't go you know it didn't go uh exactly away and you know everything you would have liked to do mm. um but you learn more from the kind of the mistakes and yeah 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 and i get it man it's it, it's stressful and and the unknown is always the most kind of the thing we worry about right you know mm. um that's why we're scared of the dark so much yeah it's um yeah before we go on like uh, exercises and stuff on in when i was in training with the marines thinking about it was always way worse than actually being on exercise mm. for the most part <laughs> sometimes you got pretty grim um but uh you know you'd always worry about it way more in your head yeah and at the end of the day especially with traveling you know someone where, where you're going someone lives there and mm. they're all right you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not they've not died <laughs> as yeah, yet, so, yeah 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 you know, yeah i guess i guess my, yeah People, you know, will stress out about, oh, I've got to bring all this kind of stuff. I'm like, oh my God, don't forget a toothbrush. And, but I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure someone lives there. I'm pretty sure, you know, they managed to get themselves a toothbrush. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I'll be able to find a toothbrush. Or make one out of yeah. whatever you find. Um, but that kind of, that's a skill as well. Like, you know, just being able to go out and problem solve. And sometimes it'll be able to, if you're struggling for a bit of inspiration at the moment, something like that, I think. Mm just seeing a bit more of the world and being able to mature more as a person yeah. by obviously going through that something that by the sounds of it isn't going to be very easy for you yeah um and i think it'll also if you say you're getting stressed out a lot sometimes the easiest way to de-stress is by going through something that's a lot more stressful right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So it's like getting you know an inoculation to stress by doing stressful things mm. um so yeah being out there and having to problem solving the fly and be in a place where you don't speak the language and all that kind of stuff. I think it'd be awesome for you, especially if you're, yeah. you know, uh, more of an, you know, uh, uh, you know, creative type person mm. going out there and seeing something more than, you know, can only be in, positive in London. I think it'd be really, really good for you. I, I think my anxiety messes with me the most. Mm. That was my problem in London, but I think that's definitely not helped by certain activities i choose to partake in <laughs> well london's a tough one for anxiety man yeah, even i would yeah, don't like to be yeah. in london if i've kind of just yeah. visited my sister you know it's it's so busy and you know you've got so many people packed into kind of one place that you kind of lose that elements of humanity in a way yeah well you're overloaded with yeah. the amount of information and shit around you like you ever you ever been out walking in like the hills or something and you'll pass a someone else that's you know got on a hike and you'll be like yeah. oh, hey mate you're right yeah. But then as soon as you're back into kind of like, you know, the yeah, car park yeah, where yeah, you started, yeah. you don't say hi to anyone because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. I guess that's funny though, because if you're walking through a hill um, and someone was acting with you the way they would in London, you'd be like, you'd either be concerned because you think they might be a killer or you'd just be like, I don't know. Because in the mountains, you kind of want someone to be friendly. 
Yeah. If you're walking past someone, it's like, oh God, are they going to, are they going to like, you know, you got to, there's a lot of trust put out there on other people because that you obviously don't have like all the structures of modern day society. But then, um, yeah. Imagine if you went into London and people were acting like, like you just, like they would, they were like in the North or something. (laughs) Have you seen those videos on Northerners getting lost in Leeds? Uh, lost in, in London. London or whatever. I think I've seen one of them on, on Facebook, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, you got to remember, like, you're a human being at the end of the day, one of the most adaptable kind of mm. <laughs> species ever. That's how we got to kind of, yeah. in quotation marks, top of the food chain. <laughs> um, you got to exercise that, right? You know, it's it's something that if you don't, kind of use it you won't it's just like a skill like anything else just being able to adapt to stressful environments I think I might be the opposite of you in that but I just don't get very stressed about kind of anything mm. in a way that's almost detrimental to the fact mm. where I could probably use more anxiety to drive myself to try my best at other things so yeah. An example would be, I did a jiu-jitsu competition in November and because I didn't really care what the outcome was, like, mm. you know, the, uh, I didn't, I was going to go and just do it and uh, have a good day with the guys out there. Like, I didn't really care about winning or losing. Yeah. Um, so much so into the fact that I probably didn't really train as hard as I could have and yeah. maybe didn't perform some my best I could have given it, right? So it's a dichotomy, a dichotomy of, uh, you know, you've got, <laughs> you got to have a balance, right? Um but I think, you know, it's, it's what do we say right at the start? It was the uh, Marcus Aurelius quote, right? You know, um, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. You gotta just go out there and tackle some obstacles, stuff that is gonna get you out of your comfort zone. Mm. And far be it from me to give you advice, mate. But um, just from like what 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 we've kind of been talking about, it sounds like if you are, you know, if you're struggling for kind of ideas and stuff. And maybe just a change of scene <laughs> will help. Yeah, and being away just from you know the usual friendship groups and I do feel in a rut. Yeah, man. I just feel kind of like I've regressed a little bit. Like this should be the next stage of my life. I've graduated. I should be, you know, graduated from uni. I should have met a a famous art person by now and be doing famous art things for him, <laughs> but. Said I'm working in a casino serving drinks to gamblers. I think you could make some good stories about that, though. Well, that's another thing I wanted to make a TV show about um, a casino, like a, a mockumentary. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I've, I reckon it'd be quite funny as well. Like a lot of the stuff that's happened in the past month has definitely been ammunition. Not ammunition, that makes it sound like it's a bad thing, but you know, like... Fuel. Yeah, fuel. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, (coughs) yeah, I'd love to just see kind of, I don't know, just... For me, I'm always just trying to do more stuff because I I do start to feel lazy, which is, again, another reason I started doing the podcast. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's got loads of things about it that uh, also I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But one of the catalysts for me to actually just, right, I'm just going to start doing it, was just the fact that, okay, what am I actually doing? Am I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm just here kind of playing Xbox. Um, I, I, I kind of started looking into it at the same time. I started to do jiu-jitsu. Mm. So I hadn't really had that kind of 
fulfilling part of my life, I guess, uh, start. And I needed something to work on, some kind of project. Mm. And while I'm not the most, mm, it depends how you define it, creative person, um, I still like to do creative projects. Yeah, of course. Everyone's got, you know, creative bone that they yeah. kind of twist. And I feel like, I think it'd be cool to see, uh, even if it's not something that's massively gets you out of bed jumping in the morning, just something like, I'd, I'd love to see like a two minute skate video that you put out. Yeah. Do you think, yeah, it's just, I think sometimes as well, it's, well, I made a video the other day, but it was terrible. It's for my friend's song, and it was just oh, I guess it was. I I knew I needed to make something really bad, just so I could, you know, mm. like start making again. Because it had been I hadn't made anything since September. No, June. Yeah, I hadn't made anything since June. Like, I hadn't done any video work, any kind of photography. Like, I'd post stuff to Instagram, but that shit doesn't matter. Um, so I knew I just needed to make something, and I hoped, I really hoped that that would push me to, like, make more. And I guess I've... I started to make another thing. So that's two things within the space of two weeks. So that's that's a lot better yeah, than, like, the last, last year. But, um, and there's so many things you can do nowadays, man. Yeah. There's so much potential just with like YouTube and Instagram TV and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's never been a better time for it. Mm. And I think what you're doing is is super cool, to be honest. Yeah. And you know, there's not a lot of people out there that uh, you know have the just the ability to do it, like yeah. that your kind of skill set. And just from the stuff you were telling me, like those stories earlier about. In secret, uh, Ted Tony. Tony, yeah, secret, secret Tony and his, and then the uh, Paul thing you're on about. <laughs> right, those are crazy ideas, man. It's like they're great premises. Um, no, you know, it's not everyone can kind of come up with that stuff, mate. Mm. You know, you've got a bit of a Thank you. kind of skill yeah. there where you should just look into it, even if yeah. it's just. I think that's what I've kind of come to understand. Like, my mum always used to say to me, if you could put in the amount of effort you do into watching and remembering TV shows that you did with your homework, yeah. you'd be like an A A star student. And I guess my answer to that was they just don't interest me in the same way. Yeah, I, I completely kind of agree with things in, in my life. I feel probably put the same amount of effort into my schoolwork as I did Thai boxing. Um, yeah. Then I'll, you know, like five hours in a day just training sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd probably, you know, do a lot better, but... Um, you got to follow the things that, that interest you, right? I was watching this really, really, really... Have you ever seen that um, that Bruce Lee uh, TV show that's on Netflix now? No. It's yeah. like, a, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> it's, like, it's really bad. Like, the acting's terrible. Um, it's, it's all Japanese. Okay. No, no, it's not Japanese. What am I saying? Chinese. Um... Yeah, but the way they've done it is they've done it so they've dubbed the ink there's like English people in it as well, but they've dubbed the English people in either Cantonese or Mandarin, I can't remember. And there's parts in the TV show where the English people are talking to Bruce Lee and it's for me, 
for what I can hear, it's all in Cantonese. But for like the way they've written it, it's like, oh, you've got very, very good English for, uh, you know, like oh, racist right. words. It's like you speak very good English and stuff. I'm like, wait, what's going <laughs> Am I missing something? Um, but oh, yeah, that was a little tangent. I don't know why I went there, but it's just a terrible TV show. But it was just it was pretty much just about like Bruce Lee and how he came into being who he was until he died. And he started off as like a tango dancer. He did really well at that, got in the newspapers. Uh, and then his uncle, he got into like fights with bullies or something. I don't know if this is like what actually happened or just what the TV show has said yeah. had happened. But he got into like fights with bullies and stuff. And then he started to get his uncle to teach him again, teach him Kung Fu. But his uncle couldn't stay for long. So he went to Ip Man. And my mum gets, um, my mum's Sifu was taught by Ip Chun. Okay. Pretty sure who's like Ip Man's uh, son. And it was just, it was, it was pretty much that thing like you were saying about uh, Thai boxing, how, um, Bruce Lee and said like in the TV show they're all like oh Bruce just concentrate on your studies and then he just wasn't doing any homework and he was just like spending all of his time like till he woke up till he went to sleep to like five in the morning just like practicing like all the different like stances or whatever yeah and it's just that kind of dedication that I really don't have and willpower I think something that I really need to work on is willpower and I think that's well yeah you're right like um it's a thing you can work on not it's not a um, genetic component like uh, someone mm. has it or hasn't got it. It's I talk about it a lot just in saying the other way of saying it's just discipline. The same thing, yeah. willpower, discipline. Um, and, you know, discipline doesn't, it doesn't, it's not an on-off switch. You're not, you're not either A, the person that gets up at, you know, five in the morning, makes their bed and, you know, cracks on with their day with a workout or, you know, B, the person that, you know, has to sleep until 10. Yeah, but equal, you know, you don't go from that second person to the to the former just by making a decision in your head. Mm. So it, you'll fail, you know, ninety nine percent of the time if you try to go right from now on. I'm going to do this. It doesn't work like that. You've got to be like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to wake up fifteen minutes earlier, and you know, two weeks from now I'm going to wake up fifteen minutes earlier than that. You know, give yourself kind of reasonable goals. I think. Um, because it sounds like before you've been quite hard on yourself, you know, mm. with, ah, oh, I put out this thing, it was rubbish. 90% of the podcasts I put out, mate, <laughs> absolutely, you know, gash, but... Um, it's, it's, it's the way you see it, though, as well. Yeah. And I guess doing art for, like, art for, like, four years, like, uni level, it's, it's definitely made me very weird as a person, I feel. Like in, in, in retrospect to, like, people who I kind of work with, or people who haven't necessarily had a fine art education is because it, it, it teaches you to think a certain way and it kind of, it's made me personally, it like kind of perfectly okay with criticism. Yeah. Um, not all the time, obviously it is, it, it's gotta be constructive. And this is why I'm doing so well at work as well, because if someone tells me I'm doing my job wrong, I'm not just gonna be like, well, what do you know? Because obviously they know, like they know yeah. better than me. They know what I'm doing wrong. Even if they weren't there as long as me, and they can see something that I'm doing wrong that from the inside I can't like 
that a passerby might see. Yeah. There's two ways you can take it. There's one, you can just like accept it and move on or you can take it personally and you can see it as like a bad thing. Like uh, like we were talking about earlier, it's a bad thing and it's a negative and then that kind of forces people to get a little bit like... Defensive. Yeah, defensive, yeah. And like seize up and shit. But I don't know. I guess I'm very grateful for that because now like when people tell me like I'm doing something wrong or I'm like... Or da, 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 da. obviously like in my mind it takes me a few moments to kind of like size up whether it's actually an issue or someone's just making an issue out of nothing mm. I have a problem with that when people kind of I don't have problem like with people like bringing up issues with me but when I don't see them as like as worth like, breaking the peace yeah. like like to break the peace to bring up something that isn't that important then I don't see the point. But anyway, this is a tangent. Um, yeah, just... I tell a lot of people this at work when they're getting criticised for, I don't know, like either talking to customers too much or like not serving the drinks as quickly as they should or not doing like... Someone's giving you advice. And yeah, it is... It's something about that you're doing wrong. So there's negatives in it. But there's the way you see it is that this is something that I can change to make better. Now I can see the change I need to make. Instead of bitching about it, why don't you just do it? Like, yeah, take your ego out of the situation for a second and just try to, I don't know, learn from what people are trying to tell you. Well, humility is such a you know it's a skill as well. Like it sounds like you kind of already kind of through the process of probably the criticism through of the artwork that you kind of already learned, which is great because there are, I think, just certain values that contribute to someone's success. I mean, yeah. we kind of almost touched on it earlier with like Bruce Lee and his kind of mm. discipline and persistence and, yeah. Fuck me, someone's got discipline and persistence. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's 90% of the battle done right there. Adding yeah, a yeah. bit of fucking humility and willingness to learn. I can't see anything that someone couldn't do. you got discipline, persistence... And an open mind. Hmm. I think the world's your oyster, mate. Yeah. Just it just Hope so. <laughs> it's just Shame it's I don't just like e- oysters. <laughs> it's just it's um you know, it's easy to say discipline, persistence and an open mind, but when yeah. it Discipline. Yeah. So that is something I need to work on so bad. I've been trying to give up smoking for five years now. <laughs> I just keep telling myself, oh yeah, next month you're going to do this and that's going to help you slowly, but not do it straight away. I keep trying to slowly phase stuff out. It mm. doesn't work. Just cut it out. And I've not tried that yet. So I'm not looking forward to yeah. trying it, but I'm going to have to try that at some point. And have you, um, do you ever try like hold yourself accountable? Like, um, do you ever like, right, if I, if I start smoking more than the amount I said I'm going to have, or if I just start smoking altogether, I'm going to have to do something else. Or no. That might be a cool way to yeah. try it. I always think like if there's something I'm going to, I don't know what it is yet, but if there's some, the next thing I'm going to try and stop doing or to do, mm. I might just be like, I might just send a little money to a mate and then be like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Because I'll be honest with it, like, integrity is incredibly important to me. Like, I won't lie about, uh, it's one of those things that's instilled with you in the Marines. Like, integrity is, like, one of the absolute core, you know, commandments. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, unfathomable to uh, kind of do otherwise. 
So I'll just send like, I don't know, two, 300 quid to someone and I'll mm. be like, right, if I can don't get up at, I don't know, example, um, six o'clock for the next, you know, um, yeah, seven days in a row or something, send that money to fucking some religious charity I hate or something. Tafford. Wow. <laughs> do you actually do that? No, I don't. Oh, I was getting this. <laughs> no, that's that crazy. But that'd be a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good way to do it. Because give myself. Yeah, I was thinking that's like Pavlov's dog. It's like, um, do you, do you ever do psychology? At, I did at A level. Yeah. 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 Same. Um, yeah, it's like Pavlov's dog. It's like introducing like a like a, a an effect to a cause. So maybe when yeah. I start smoking, I should start like pinching myself or like <laughs> get someone to slap me around the face every time I take a burn or so, and then. Every time I do it, it'll just be like, oh God, I, I can't, I can't. That'd be good. Be good. Conditioning. Well, yeah, I think, conditioning. I, yeah, the, um, I could see that going unhealthy pretty quickly though. <laughs> 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 you start beating yourself. But, mm. uh, you know. Um, this head but a wall. The thing, uh, kind of a psychological factor as well is um, we're far more annoyed about uh, losing uh, something than we are. Like, I don't know if you've ever put a bet on some, like, obviously, out of the casino. Someone will be far more willing to, like, bet a uh, hundred quid to make, you know, something. Than, but they'll be way, really annoyed if they've lost, yeah. you know, 30 quid or if they've missed out on it. Mm. Um, and they'll try, bet more to try and get that 30 quid back. But yeah. they end up losing more than that anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know what, what the kind of, I'm sure there is some kind of term for it, but that fear of losing, uh, you know, money in this case is really powerful mm. so I reckon I don't know what it is yet but if, if there's something down the line that I really want to do and I'm worried that I won't do it not usually the case for me luckily um but yeah if, if it's if it's important to me and I'm struggling with it then I'd, I don't see any problem sending it to a friend that I trust yeah, and be yeah. like hey man I'll be honest with it like if I if I fuck up and um you know, it's got to be if it, if we're doing money, it's got to be an amount you'd actually care about. You know, it can't be just yeah, like something yeah, yeah. you mug off. Give him like fiver. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Because in that mind, I, to be honest with me, I would I would make it so that I wouldn't actually miss the money if it had gone. Yeah, exactly. I'm that kind of person <laughs> who's going like, to do that uh, thing, but they're going to do it. <laughs> so even if they fail, they don't really care. Yeah, so they yeah. were more likely to fail. You've got to make it ridiculous. And you've got like, all right, here's a grand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally been sending, I accidentally sent uh, two lots of 60 quid to Thameswater thinking I was putting it in my savings account. <laughs> Did you get it back? Yeah, yeah. Well, I called them up and they were like, um, I just told him and he just kind of laughed at me and he's like, oh yeah, I can see it here. And I just send you it back. I was like, oh, Thames Water, you're so good. Every time I call you up, I always get really stressed out before, but then I just call you and it's sorted, it's calm. It turns out they're actually in the north. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, makes a lot more sense. <laughs> a lot more sense. They're always so friendly. Um, yeah. I guess that's something I wanted to talk about before we kind of ended this was, uh, was what we... Yeah talked a little bit about already the hero's journey mm. and i guess we'll have to talk a bit about it in uh, it's just i think i was first kind of introduced to it a bit on joe rogan's podcast uh, yeah. he talks about kind of joseph campbell and, and um you know uh, young just talks a little bit about it as well and and, and jordan peterson they, they mention it quite a lot on those mm. kind of um shows and 
And then I remember it was with an episode with Guy Ritchie uh, that really kind of, he just kind of outlined it, outlined it rather, um, you know, quite simply. And uh, I was like, oh, right. Yeah. And I, I decided to look into it more and more. And for people that don't know, it's kind of just this archetype of storytelling that it underlines um, most, most stories, probably the majority of, you know, mm. any, uh, you know, type of venture type stories definitely uh, and it's you can think of it from it's both external like you can see someone going through the hero's journey but it's also internal as well like it's it can be a long journey as long as your lifetime or it can be as short as a day in your head <laughs> you know it's I will go through it and maybe we can give examples of like Man of Star Wars or something. Well, first time, can I just say, first time yeah, I heard, actually heard about um, the hero's journey, I was talking to my friend Karen because basically there was this girl I was seeing for a bit. We've finished things now. Um, and she she really got me on, she really got on me about porn and about how um, she thought that porn was like, it's like cheating in a way or whatever, mm. which I don't agree with. Obviously, it's not great for a relationship if you're watching um, videos of other girls. But I also think that it's very unreasonable to expect one person to fulfill all your fantasies. Like, yeah, like it's a lot of pressure on one person. Like, you, like but anyway, anyway, I was so I was speaking to my now housemate Karen. Um, about it and he was he had this really interesting point and it was a hero's journey and he was saying how a lot of the time like I don't know if it was just in stories or it was in actuality but uh, the protagonist would always have to go through a quest or actually achieve something in order to um, get the girl or like find the princess or whatever yeah. you know they always have to like go through something um, and I started thinking about that and I was like, the times when I've actually gotten into a very decent relationship have been after I've finished something. So me and her, now this is probably one of the, it was probably one of the nicest relationships I was ever in, apart from the bits where it's horrible, but um, considerably less horrible. Um, but I had just finished, it was like, we met on... It was like the graduation night, you know, uh, the degree show. We okay, met on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And that was, so yeah, it was really nice or whatever. It was a relationship. Special moment. Yeah. To me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that, that kind of like worked into the whole idea of the hero's journey because I had just completed this quest of secret Tony. I had come to the finish of Camberwell, like, you know, and... Then I'd met a girl and like, you know, doing all these things. And then that yeah. put me right back to the bottom. To the status quo again, full circle. Yeah. Like not even status quo, like, like, you know, like rock bottom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, climbing my way out of the pit of like, you know, depression and shit like that. But it's like, it's just, it's really interesting. The, the way that the hero's journey actually does kind of, come into like relationships as well yeah it's it just underpins kind of 
all stories and if you break down just life into its fundamental parts it's it's stories and relationships right um and i like joseph campbell's obviously infinitely quotable and i I really like quotes so it's quite handy for me but he's um he says you know you've got to be the hero of your own journey and that's a nice way to kind of sometimes just put your life in perspective and sometimes if you've got a tough decision to make sometimes it's like right if I was the hero in this story, like what, what does the hero do? Yeah. And you can kind of, sometimes it helps me make decisions that, or he also says like might be quite good for you is, is the, um, probably butcher it off the top of my head. Basically. Um, the treasures you seek, are in the cave is in the cave you fear. So, you know, mm. basically it's back to that same thing. Marcus Aurelius was saying it's, you've got a, do the things that are uncomfortable to you to the, you get go the through. things that you want. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, You've blown my mind a little bit there. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, I actually just, that's so true yeah. though. Um, he's obviously an incredibly smart guy and far uh, more intellectual. And I, I don't know enough about the hero's journey to talk really on any kind of minimalist authority on it, but mm. we'll go through it cause it'll be fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I have the whole tell steps in front of me in here and um, it starts off in uh, the ordinary world. So um, you you like Star Wars, so I guess we'll just do, uh, we'll go through Star Wars. Mm. So I guess the ordinary world in Star Wars is when uh, Luke is on um, Tatooine. Tatooine and he's looking at the fucking double sunset and he's just kind of like bored with his life and he's just like, uh, I want to go join the rebellion, yeah, but yeah. I'm here fucking... Wally farming moisture or something? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. They say it's a farm. Moisture I don't see any yeah. crops. I think they harvest the moisture out of the yeah, air. Really? Yeah. Wow. To make war. Wow. Huh. That's maybe maybe I'll just make that up. That, that's interesting. Anyway. That's um, and then the call to adventure, which I guess is um, when R two and C three. It's been ages since I've seen Star Wars, so this is um, you know R two and C three PO kind of land, and R two's got this fucking fucking little hologram of Princess Leia. Oh yeah, <laughs> like help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. He's <laughs> like, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> that fitty. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh. <laughs> and yeah, I guess he meets. Um, Ben Kenobi, right? Yeah. And that's his uh, call to adventure. Yeah. And then he's like... He resists the, it at first. Yeah, he's... Which is the... In, uh, um, stolen from Secret Tony, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. Plagiarised you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, he does say, like, he's... You know, he, he'll get you to Moss Eisley, isn't it? And he's like, but I can't go off planet because, you know, I've got... Uncle Ben yeah, and aunt, yeah. aunt whatever mate faces to, you know, you can't be going off planet, you know, he's got... Uncle he's got, Owen and Aunt oh, May. That's it, yeah. Uncle, Uncle ben, ben Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle, though. Uncle he's ben. also He also makes a lot of rice. rice yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, meeting the mentor stage of it is the next one, which is obviously, you know, uh, meeting uh, Obi-Wan, Ben Kenobi. Um, mm. And then... And that's the cross when he and he leaves on the Falcon, and that's when he crosses out from the 
ordinary world, you know, yeah. what he's known into the special world. And, and this is where like the most of the story takes place, I guess. It's um, the tests, it says here, the tests, allies and enemies that he meets. And obviously the tests, well, I guess the allies, he's got the crew of the Falcon and the mm. Rebellion. And then he's got the enemies, obviously the Empire, Empire. and Vader. Big and worm it, thing. Uh, yeah, uh, Sarlax and Pit. Or whatever it is. Um, that too. <laughs> uh, and then the tests he goes through, so, you know, at first I guess... He goes through a lot of tests. Yeah. And he's tested quite a lot to be a Jedi. And then when he's a Jedi, he gets tested to not kill his dad. And then he gets tested to kill his dad? Or to not kill his dad while trying to kill his dad? I'm not quite sure. Well, yeah, yeah it, de- it depends. There's so many as well. He's like... it. He's got this test where he's got a, he's suddenly kind of flung into a almost a leadership role within yeah, <laughs> a rebellion, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know people, you know, people are like, well, this guy's a, you know, he's gonna be a Jedi Knight and stuff like <laughs> that. He must be awesome, and he's got his kind of friendship with Han that um, is testing away because Han doesn't want to be part of the rebellion. He just wants to kind of uh, yeah yeah you know, do his own thing. And he's got to he's got to have the tests of a leader, and and he goes through all that, and they go on the approach, which I guess is the uh, the bombing run on the Death Star. <laughs> One thing I found really interesting about the hero's adventure was there's a part in uh, Act Two, so like Act One is like our world, yeah, and Act Two is the underworld. Mm. So that's where all, he goes through all the tests and the challenges, and that's where all the the demons and the baddies or whatever, yeah. Are. Or about and then act three that's where it comes to like where everything's getting challenged and da, 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 da. yeah and it's something about um shadow his shadow from the underworld yeah. comes back and that's when it like yeah it's like an unresolved issue that comes back to haunt i think that was something that was yeah. really interesting so that's that's the you found just touch on the next point really it's mm. the the ordeal the death and, and rebirth and i guess I guess for for Luke the the death and the rebirth would be the where he gets his it, it, it's the death of his old self the fucking farmer. Well, it's it's uh, the death of I'd say it was the actual death of Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Because that, yeah. and then that that kind of killed off him relying on Obi Wan to be the Jedi, and yeah. then he could just be a Padawan. Yeah. Where now he had to like be kick started into that, actually fighting for himself. That's his yeah, his rebirth of yeah. becoming the Jedi and mm. the ordeal, I guess, and uh is obviously going through all the the tests that he's just he's kinda of going through at the time. Mm. Next one's um reward uh slash seizing the sword. Which I guess, uh, in the context of Star Wars, that's where they escape. They they get the princess. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah you're right. And the plans. Yeah. Um, I guess you could also say it as um, the uh, blowing up the Death, Death Star as well. Yeah. Well, I'd say that was the. I'd say because the shadow comes. Where are we now? Are we in Act Act Three? Just going into Act Three and the. Wheel, are we at the end of Act Three? So we're kind of um, just before uh, the return home journey. Okay, just before the return home yeah, journey. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that that was 
acquiring the plans because then they go they go back to what is it what's the place called Endor is it no it's not Endor no it's, no, it's Tavin or Yavin or whatever. oh Yavin 4 yeah <laughs> I remember playing Battlefront one of my strongest memories of us being kids was us playing football in that field by our house and then going back to yours and playing Battlefront yeah on the, yeah Styles Battlefront 1 or yeah. 2 and we were playing on on the ship that at the start of episode four, and I never knew you could play that until that point. Such a good game, Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, because they, they redid it, didn't they? But mm. um, like a couple of years ago, but it was absolutely. I've not shocking. played the second one. Yeah, first one I played, it was alright. It's still Battlefront, but I guess they were more focused on the um, online gaming rather than the actual you know uh, what games used to be about they used to be about like a storyline and they yeah. used to fight rather than just like Fortnite or all these things yeah. so it's like all right you've bought a game to play against people online it's yeah. not like a there's no campaign a lot of the time yeah but i think there is still really great storytelling mm. in games i this year i played uh, god of war um mm. which is some of the best games i've played mm. and mainly because it's because of the narrative it it focuses a lot on on Norse mythology, yeah, um, and it did it in such a to such a high degree that I then went out went out and got a book on Norse mythology. No, really, <laughs> um, which oh, I think uh, kind of reading it and in hindsight looking at the game, I think whoever made it obviously uh, had read the book um, and based a lot of it off of the kind of uh, stories that were told in the book. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's still I think there's still really good storytelling in the game. It's just harder to find. Like, um, well, so there's a game called for uh, Horizon uh, Zero Dawn that had a really good mm. story. Um, I guess I was more upset that the um, Battlefront game didn't have a, pl- a thing where you could just you could practice. <laughs> <laughs> you could practice, and it wouldn't be. Um, you wouldn't just have to be like, you know, because like people are yeah. sick, like people, like there's gamers who are just good on any game. Yeah. It's not like you can like, and I'm not very good at like shoot. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I'm really play good on, at games. online games. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they have the hero's journey in any, well, I guess all video games have the hero's journey in them as well. They're just like, oh, definitely man. Yeah. I mean, think of something, well, God of War, definitely the, mm. even in games where, um, I was gonna try bring up Skyrim as like as an example, but I thought Prince of Persia for some reason that was sick. Yeah, definitely. That, Sands of Time. Yeah, that's Ooh. um, that's like absolute classic hero's journey, really. Yeah, that's like it's like Assassin's Creed, but not like Free World. It's like a yeah campaign. Um, Damn, I I always got stuck on that troll thing, that massive giant guy. I never knew how to beat that guy. <laughs> uh, getting back on the uh, on the path. Um, oh, yeah. you've got uh, the road back um, which I guess there there isn't too, Luke doesn't really go back to his kind of um, old life mm. like like they might do in the road back is more of a um, I guess that's just kind of a, a retreat from one perspective to another so one yeah. perspective being the Empire to another being the rebels. Oh yeah, you could see because Luke like was that. always yeah. identified as a rebel. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's from him being 
in the surroundings of the underworld, the the Sith, the darkness. Yeah. Um, to the light side again. Yeah, and and I guess um, uh, it's that you know peace with the Force. I guess is like yeah. the way it's like all kind of it's all balanced now again. And, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I guess if you think of the Empire as like I don't know, like cancerous, then they've kind of got rid of that now, and you've got um, homeostasis in a way. I guess mm. like it's back to a um a normal state of things and and Luke kind of re- returns with the heightened sense of the things he's now a, a Jedi and he's he's got Are you talking new... about the whole of Star Wars or episode No, one? I was going to go for episode, you know, New Hope 4. Okay, 4. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he's kind of well, I guess he, at the end he's kind of going to Dagobah, isn't he? Mm. But he's got um you know, if you well, if you just extend it a little bit, he kind of becomes a, a Jedi into. But he yeah. defeats, yeah, he defeats his father in the first. Co- well, but he don't know he's his dad yet, does he? Basically, he defeats the shadow. That's what I was going to say as well. Yeah. The shadow comes back because um, he didn't get Darth Vader the first time or whatever, or the shadow who killed yeah. oh, um, his mentor has come back and didn't manage to kill him this time so he's defeated the shadow the shadow has been well if you look like the actual kind of shadow in a way of when they're on the cave in Dagobah and he's you know he fights Darth Vader but it takes the helmet off and it's Luke mm. yeah it's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that's his kind of you know his, yeah. his, his shadow it's a it's reflection little, of him yeah it's yeah, a reflection yeah. yeah that's like really <laughs> not yeah. subtle at all way of doing it is it um, no that was a weird dreams dreamscape it's um that always messed me up as a kid. I never really understood what was going on. Yeah, so there's so many things nowadays where I'm just like, uh, I'll hear something, I'll learn something. I'm like, well, I can think about this now, but I'm just definitely not mature enough or, or smart enough right now to mm. really have uh, a proper perspective on it. And sometimes it'll just be things in my own life. I'll have an experience. That's what I say about t- doing my taxes. <laughs> it's not mature yet. Give me a few years. Roger. Um, <laughs> for me, it'd just be like it'd be something like uh, I don't know a failure or something. I'm like, well, right now I'd, I just don't know. I need a bit more time away from it to understand if I really think I failed or mm. um, if I'd learnt more than I realised at the end of it. Sometimes it, you've just got to accept that you're just not mature enough yet, and you need yeah. a bit more time away. Yeah. Um, and there's no rush, of course. But yeah, it's, I'm going to keep reading about the hero's journey and, and learning about it because it's something that's almost a bit actionable in, in your own life in a way and you can kind of see it unfolding sometimes. And um, it's just a really compelling, I don't know why, it's just a really compelling, I don't even know how you'd ex- um, observation. It's a good, yeah, it? it's a good structure for like film and stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's also, it, it does... It is quite male-driven as well. But, I mean, this is the thing. People have a go at, like, things being male-driven. Like, like things aren't female-driven. Mm. Like, just because, like, things are male-driven and males are the majority doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. When it starts to overwhelm the public that it's just the male thing, then that's yeah. a problem. But I've gone off on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> I get political and I just start getting all like, oh. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's quite it's quite male driven as a thing. So maybe like as like a conquest, it kind of comes under. I don't know. Well, I think um, 
it is in maybe uh, film and 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 mm. just normal media, but um, if you look on the introspective kind of side of it, um, it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. We all kind of have to step out, of, essentially breaking it down into quick steps. It's step out of your comfort zone, go through a test that pushes you to have a new realization of yeah. something you didn't realize before. Come back to you kind of you know where you were but with a heightened sense of things and maybe you've got a physical thing like you know you've got the chalice or you know or maybe it's just you know something more about yourself um which is kind of why I like to do it I, I think you get a lot of these people that go out and travel and right like we've talked a lot about traveling um like oh right I'm gonna go out and find myself I'm like no that's that's bullshit that's it's you can't go out and find yourself like I hate that that stopped me from traveling, but it definitely stopped me from yeah. traveling that idea. Especially if you're spending a lot of time with well-off kids, you know, that's what they're all about. I'm going to go to Thailand and, you know. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of oh, people just used to say, oh, let's go here, let's go there, let's go here. And every time, like, it was kind of just a, a nice little notion, like, oh, yeah, let's go here. In my head, I was like, I can't afford that zone out. Yeah. This is why I ignore people. <laughs> like, I just... I just can't, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, it's just stress. It's just stress. I'm not going to think about it. Yeah, everything you need to find, I think it's just within yourself or at least through a lot of pain and suffering. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a nice place to end it, mate. Unless you want to yeah. talk about anything else. Um, talk about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I don't want it to end, but... Well, we've got a good sauna to hit up soon, so... Yeah, um, it's true. So yeah, no, calm. Uh, to anyone who's listened to this podcast, I'm very sorry about all the tangents I took, and I hope you managed to understand some of my points. It's all right, this is 90% tangents. Let <laughs> 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 me try to keep track of what we're talking about. Cool, cheers, Joe. Pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you very much.